Um, this morning, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 37. Psalms, chapter 37. Let's pray for the person who keeps vandalizing our bathrooms. I don't want to go back to this, but I just, man, it blows my mind. Something better to do with your Sunday. Psalm chapter 37. Last week, we've been talking about developing relationships. And last week, I, I talked about, two weeks ago, I talked about developing a relationship with people. That really broke some things loose. Um, I've talked to numerous amount of people that said, uh, asked, Pastor, can you please not uh, preach, talk, mention, breathe one word about having relationships with people because the relationships with the people in my life, <laughs> like as soon as you preached on this, like it hit the fan. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and I was like, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so last week we talked about developing a healthy relationship with your church. And so we just defined what church was. I will tell you that in 2019, there's a lot of wild conceptions and misconceptions uh, on what church is, but they're n like none of them are biblically sound. Some of them have biblical basis, but we end up with these polarizing ideas of what church is, and I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, and it, it's more than just these binary things, and, and there's probably another option. And uh, today we're going to talk about, when I think about, when I say last week, developing healthy relationship with your church, this is the first question I ask. What is a healthy relationship with my church? So we need to define some things today. Um, let's, let's start in, uh, in Psalm 37, verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. There's a promise attached to it. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. I'm going to propose this morning that the first thing that we need to focus on, and the only thing we're going to focus on today, one element that if it's not there, nothing can be built because it's foundational. Today we're going to talk about a healthy relationship with your church is a committed relationship with your church. Now I want to say to you that commitment is a big deal in 2019, currently in society. In fact, when I talk about commitment, we're going to talk about some of the things that are proven statistically, and we will see as we walk through this morning ways that you and I, when, we have, when we're faced with commitment, it's counterintuitive for us to commit. We, 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 don't want, we don't want commitment. So we're going to talk about some things statistically. We're going to share some interesting thoughts. I'm going to be transparent about some silly decisions that I made over the weekend to make commitments, and then I had to keep them, and they were painful. Let's define what the word commit means first. Uh, here's some words that are synonyms to, to the word commit. Uh, to be devoted, to be faithful, to be pledged, uh, to be attached, or to be bound. So when I hear all those words, I think about uh, marriage, quite honestly. I think about a husband and a wife standing before Somebody that is saying, listen, I believe that what God is doing in your relationship, I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to bless. That's all I do when I marry a couple is I just say, I believe that based on what the Bible says and is prescribed for marriage of a husband and a wife, I believe that what God is doing in your relationship and I want to bless, all I'm doing as a pastor is blessing what God is already doing. Does that make sense? And the two individuals are stepping into being bound together. They're making a pledge. There's an attachment. They're going to engage with one another. Here's some definitions of the word commit. Uh, these are more dictionary definitions, like Webster's Dictionary. To bind or obligate as by pledge or assurance. This is to commit oneself to a promise, to be committed to a course of action. To entrust, especially for safekeeping. Like somebody would commit one's soul to God. The commit, uh, word commit also means to pledge or engage oneself. 
as an athlete who commits to the highest standards. So here we have this basic understanding of the word commitment. But commitment all by itself is difficult to understand if we don't understand what it partners with. Commitment is dependent on faith. Commitment is dependent on faith. In Psalm 37.5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Now, I want to stop for a second. It says, commit your way to the Lord. We're going to talk about a few things. Now, I'm going to give you a biblical definition of the word commit. When it says, commit your way to the Lord, we have to understand a few of the words in there so that we can get a full understanding of this word commit means. Your way, it says commit your way, your way is your journey. Your pathway on life. It's saying commit, commit your journey in life. Commit, commit your pathway, commit everything you're going to walk through. Commit the trajectory of your life to God. Now let's understand what this word commit means biblically. It means to actually to remove from myself and to put on or to roll. The word is to roll upon something else. I'm going to make a commitment. So what I'm doing is uh, I'm going to use a backpack for an example. I have a backpack. Everyone laughs at me. I have, I have two things that you'll see me carry. A backpack that has like, it's my office. Okay. And then I have a food bag. Everyone that knows me, I have a bag full of food. It's my whole day of food. I have special eating requirements because of some, uh, honestly, because of some medical stuff. So I, I never, if you ever invite me to lunch, I just, I just went, met a really sweet couple this weekend or this last week. We met for coffee and I said, you know, I don't drink coffee. I don't eat lunch. And so it's just easier. Let's just go to a coffee shop. You can have coffee and I'll sit and we, we can talk. So I always have this bag of food with me. Now in this backpack, it's all the things, it's all the ways that I am going to walk through life. It's my computer, it's my iPad, I've got some other things in it that are important to me. My Bible is always in there. All my charging cables, because you've got to stay charged, okay? So we got all the charging cables, and I, for 40 different devices, and it's my backpack. And when we make a commitment, and we say, commit your ways to the Lord, literally what this means is to remove this backpack, put it on the shoulders of Jesus, and when he starts walking his path, we follow after our backpack. Why? Because all the things that are valuable to us are in what? The backpack. But what we like to do is we like to commit to ourselves. I'm going to carry my valuables because I'm the most valuable and I can protect myself. I'm committed to myself. I'm more committed to myself than I'm committed to anything. Why? Because I have assurance that I can get from here to where I need to go. But that requires zero faith. It says, commit your ways to the Lord. And then it says, trust. This word trust is to be secure, to put your confidence or hope in. So it says, trust in Him. And then there's a promise attached to that. This word trust, it's, it's synonymous with what we would think is faith. To faith, like we, we talked a couple weeks ago about faithing. So when we commit our ways to the Lord, this is an active pursuit of us faithing. We're saying, God, I'm willing to put my ways, I'm willing to put how I approach things, I'm willing to put how I father, how I husband, how I lead, how, I, how I'm a son, how I'm a friend. I'm willing to put all that, all the things that are valid, I'm willing to put it all on your shoulders and follow you. Because the pathway that you're leading me in is better than the pathway that I'm going to make for myself. I have proven that, family. Has anyone here proven this to be true? Okay. I love Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Okay, this word hold fast. It means firm, unmoved. So it says to be firm, be unmoved in your profession of your faith. Without wavering. This word wavering, it means without holding back. So this is what it says. It says that I, I, I'm going to be firm in my commitment. I'm going to stand firm in the decisions that I'm making. And I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to be moved. When peripheral things start beating down on the hatches 
of, of my life, on, on the boat, on the house, and, and it feels like there's a storm brewing, I'm firm, I'm committed, and, and, and I have a foundation, and we need a foundation for our commitment, our foundation that we're dependent on is our faith. Here's the problem. We live in a time and a space where commitment is at an all-time low, but so is trust. Here's some statistics. Pew Research did a study. This is 2014. I'm sure this gap has grown. Now, when I read these to you, I'm not reading them. It's going to be broken down by generations. It's not to point out any generation. By the way, I think all of these, before I read them, I think all the percentages that I'm about to give you that are going to answer the question I'm about to tell you, I think all the percentages are way too low, by the way. Okay. They did this study, and this is what they asked. Are people, can most people, not even all, can most people be trusted? There's the question. Baby boomers. 40% of baby boomers said yes. So that's, we're not starting out great here. Less than half of all baby boomers said, yes, most people can be trusted. Move to Gen X. That's my generation. Uh, it drops to 31%. We slipped nine. Okay? So we're heading the wrong direction, by the way. Millennials. 19%. We're, this is not, now, now I want you to understand this. I'm not pointing out, I'm not, this isn't like, well, that's not it. In fact, it, just a side note, the reason 19% of millennials don't trust is because of the generations in front of them. Yeah, I had a lot of millennials just now shake their head, yeah. Because they don't have much to trust in. Because if I'm not fully committed you think my, kid, my kids are only going to do a percentage of what I do. This is a leadership principle. Leadership 101. If you're committed to running 10 miles, the people around you will run eight. If they're overachievers, maybe they'll run 10. Most will run six. Some will even run four. We're, we're on a really slippery slope when it comes to trust. And it's dependent, our commitment is dependent on trust. But commitment creates stability in our relationships. Commitment creates stability in our relationships. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And he will establish your plans. This word establish means secure, fixed, to be firm, to make stable. So just like we just read in the verse before, it's like when you make a commitment, God, you trust in him, what does he do? He has a promise attached to it. He's going to make your ways righteous. He's, he, there's a promise attached to that commitment. So when it says, when I commit my ways, whatever I do, I commit to the Lord. He's going to make them firm. He's going he's to give me stability. But... We love options. We want options. Don't we? And here's why we want options. It's called FOMO. Everyone know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. So you want, I come to you and I'm like, hey, here, here you go. And I, and I present something to you. And you're like, oh, okay, that's very nice. And I give you two to three options. You're like, but are there like 10 other things that I might be missing out? What, just, there's just one. There's just one thing that I might be, I just can't decide. I can't decide because there's one thing. And so we go into like grocery stores and it takes us two hours to do shopping. This should take us two minutes because why? We're, we're afraid we're gonna miss out on the best deal. I'm in line at Sprouts. Yeah, like last night, I'm trying to get all this stuff's going on. Anyway, I'm at Sprouts, and this sweet lady's in front of me. And she's like, oh, hi. Then they always ask at Sprouts. They're so nice. They're like, oh, good afternoon, ma'am. Did you find everything okay? She goes, no, I didn't. You have this thing on sale. And I'm afraid I'm going to miss the sale, and I couldn't find it. 
So could you please write me a rain check? So the dude had to stop for every item that she wanted a rain check on. After he rang her up, What are we doing right now? I was like, how about, how about I just leave the store with all the food I got and I'll give you a rain check? They wouldn't let me go. Why? Because they were like, we're afraid we're going to miss out on getting paid. We're driven by this. We want options. But here's... Here's the thing. We see multiple options as gaining freedom, don't we? I want options. It gives me freedom. I said this to somebody the other day. I'm having a conversation. I said, you know, I don't want anyone to tell me. This is my person. I don't want anyone to tell me. I want options. I want the freedom to make whatever decision I want. Let me tell you what multiple options give you. Multiple options now have committed you to the possibility of every one of those options taking place. So here's what happens. We walk around full of these options in our head. And when, we, when that happens, we become non-committal now. We're committed to the possibility of all the options, but we become non-committal to the thing that we're even asked to be committed to. Are you following me? This is called, uh, there's a study done by Stanford in 2000. It's called Choice Overload. It is. It's called Choice Overload. And what happens is that you, we, get, we get analysis paralysis. There's so many options, we just get stunned. So we invented this thing. It's called the maybe button. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Did you know that you, in a day, will make 35,000 decisions? You will make 267.7 decisions just on your food choices today. This is crazy. 35,000, that's a lot of decisions. Listen, you made a decision in the last 10 seconds whether to believe that I was telling you the truth or not. You made a decision to believe whether or not you were going to stay seated in the seat you're sitting in or you were going to get up and walk. You're, you're right now thinking about how you're going to make a decision about the thing that you need to do next week, whether or not you want to do it. And while at the same time, you're making a decision now to stop thinking about that thing because you're so fixated on what I'm saying. Now you're making a decision to listen to what I'm saying. You just made so many decisions. We're like, it's overwhelming. Too many decisions. Where's the maybe button? We're like, the worst button in the world. You get an evite from somebody? What? Please, this is what you do. You either do one or two things. You don't respond at all. Or you go, where is that blasted maybe button? Am I going to attend? Oh, thank you for leaving me a note. I need to know so I can plan the meal. It would help me a great ton. Maybe. Here's another way that we use maybe. This is, this is a fact. I'll try. Listen, if I'm laying on a table and some dude's trying to like resuscitate my heart, I am not looking for a maybe. And I don't want him to say, you know, I'll try. First, I need to check my phone to see, because I, I got to make sure my options are taken care of. So he's in cardiac arrest. Maybe. I got my options. Checking my tea time. I got to know what time I got to go and pick up my wife. You see what I'm saying? Guys, you know how many options we have just because of this computer? Why, why do you think Tinder exists? Can I be straight, okay? Tinder exists because all of the people using it want options. Even if they're in a committed relationship, Type right. 
have the pastor know about that. Pastor was talking about a dating app. You have more apps on your phone than you use. You have more storage on your phone than you need. I talked to him. I, why do you need 27,000 photos on your phone, honey? I need the option. I might want to look at one. Because you remember that one out of the 27,000. You have a, you know, with phones with a terabyte. Almost all of it is, are photos, you know? Why do you need all those photos? I need a photo. Can we take a photo, a quick photo, photo, selfie? <laughs> so a photo, 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 you know? I just want the option later if I want to post it. I just... God's a smart God. And this is what's happening. We live in a world of options. We're non-committal. So now we're committed to the potential of all of our options. And this is what it's causing. High levels of stress. By the way, this is scientifically proven. High, lo high levels of stress. High levels of anxiety. Lack of hope because you feel buried underneath all the choices. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's coming. I don't know which one of these options is going to play out. God's a really smart God, so he gave us this amazing scripture. And he simplified. He knew, Pat, you were going to be stressed out because you like options. You know why? Because I don't like authority. Don't tell me. You should, I think you should really take care of that. Like, don't, don't tell me. You know, don't walk away and then I'm like, I think I should get that taken care of, you know. But as long as you don't tell me. I want the option to make the choice myself. You know what I mean? And we just we walk around and, and it causes disparity. I've said this this is the third week in a row. This is why the average lifespan of Americans is on the decline. This is why we feel the despair, the hopelessness. It's not because we don't have options. It's because we have too many. So God is just super loving and smart. He has this verse. I'm going to read, this is the message translation, Matthew 5 through 7. It says, just say yes and no. You notice in the Bible, there's no maybe. There's no I'll try. Jesus wasn't like, I'll try. Maybe. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Depends on the weather that day. I had a good night. I don't know. The day before, I was really kind of struggling, just thinking about this whole son of God thing. And I'm thinking I need to move on. It's just, you know, this, this relationship really isn't working here, Father. So, Because I, I want to be significant. I just don't feel like the way that you, this, this isn't the significance that I want. I'm not willing to be committed. I'll try, but God's like, this is yes or no. In fact, it goes on and it says, when you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. Your maybe, that my maybe in life that I'll try. I, I, was, re I was reading an article about this, I'll try, that like the, the, the world's best leaders, business leaders, thinkers, one of the biggest things that they will like shoot you out the side, eject button, you are gone. You are not going to succeed in their organization if you're a person that says, I'll try. Because what, what that tells them and what they've learned is that you're non-committal, that I'm non-committal. I just want a yes or a no. Yes, I'll do my best. That is different than I'll try. But we like the maybe button because then we, then we can maneuver and manipulate things because it's like, oh, see, I dodged you. You want me to, you want me to have to say yes or no to your e-bite, but I'm not going to do it because <laughs> something might come up. And if I say yes to you, then I have to like stick to my commitment. But something, you know, I have nothing on my calendar for like the next month, 
But next Saturday, something might pop up on that Saturday exactly at 10 a.m. And I want to keep my options open. So maybe. Right? I like how in the NIV, it says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So I personally believe that maybe, and I'll try, are the hands of the devil. So we're living in a society where marriage is getting thrown out the window. We have less people committing to marriage. We're at all-time low. We're at an all-time high of rentals. Not of homes, but like of things. Why? Well, I don't want to purchase the item. Can I rent it? I don't want to be committed to it. God's made it easy. He's like, could you just yes, no? Because like in, the in-between, it's costing too much. I love, uh, there's a family that goes to our church and the husband, his name's Thomas. Young family, young kids. Thomas is extremely busy with these young kids. Work life, him and his wife. I mean, they're the quintessential young millennial couple in Southern California working their butts off. And I, I, I love him because what he did was is he knew there was a need in our kids' ministry. And he goes, I'll commit my yes. And here's the deal. Once a month I can do this. That's all, I got. That's all you got, once a month. And you know what I love about that? That even your no is a commitment. And it made it so clear for us and we were so thankful. It made it very clear. We weren't in this position of like, well, Thomas, how, how often can you? He's like, well, I don't really know. Like, throw me on the schedule. I'll, I'll try to show up. Well, if we schedule you like twice a month, maybe. Maybe. And I love the commitment. Super busy guy. Once a month. I'm like, thank you so much for your commitment. Thank you for letting your yes be yes. And when we can commit to a yes or a no, this is what it does. It relieves us of the mental gymnastics of the maybe. How many of you right now are stuck in the mental gymnastics, the stress, the anxiety? How many of you have actually gotten to the point of bitterness or depression because you're stuck in the in-between? waiting for the moment for him to propose. You're stuck in the in-between. Waiting for the moment. You're, you're, you're stuck in the maybe. It's the worst feeling in the world when somebody does that to you, right? Do I have the job or not? We'll call you. You don't call us. What? What are they saying? Maybe. Well, I don't maybe have money in my bank. I can't tell my I can't tell my landlord. Maybe I'll pay you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell them to call you, call you. Maybe. I don't know, right? So it relieves us of the mental gymnastics. We're under the constant barrage and the fire from marketing telling us this, like no joke, almost verbatim telling us there's endless options, so don't commit to any one thing because you don't want to miss out. And the higher, the higher the commitment, it's going to come at a high cost. Can I tell you that commitment comes at a high cost? When, 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 when my wife and I stood at the altar and we said, I do, we looked at each other and we said, yep, we pledge to be bound to one another, to be attached to one another from this day forward, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, for poor, for all of our days. 
came at a high cost. That meant that all the options, all the people that we're going to run across in life, you take all the options off the table and we're committed to one another. High commitment comes at a high cost, but can I tell you that high cost commitments have high rewards. If you ask any investor, higher the risk, higher the what? Higher the risk, higher the, okay. You tell me right now in society how we're going to walk around in our non-committal, maybe I'll try, button-popping world. Yet we want this super high output expectation of what everything is going to be. But we're living low risk. Maybe, maybe is low risk, but we want high reward. Can you please tell me how that's going to actually work? It won't. It won't. Our, the divide is going to continue to grow. Anxiety will continue to get worse. Depression will, will get worse. Like these things will continue to grow if we don't have something binding us together. His name is Jesus. I made the absurd decision. Friday night, that Saturday morning, I was going to get up and I was going to ride my bicycle in my stretchy pants, my, my Lycra, <clears throat> from Rincon Casino all the way up Palmar Mountain to the observatory. It's an 18-mile trek on a bike. You climb over 5,500 feet in that 18 miles. That's a lot of elevation in 18 miles. I also didn't plan on the fact that when I pulled up, this is really funny, I pulled up at 9 o'clock in the morning. The rest of the group left at 8, 8 a.m. And they said, okay, so here, I'm not preaching at you. I'm with you. Because this, this was the real conversation. Hey, are you going to show up on this ride? Maybe. <laughs> it would be, it'd be awesome if you did. I'll try. <laughs> so bad, dude. I just threw myself under the bus on that one. So I get there an hour late. I'm sitting there in the parking lot. Yes, the weather was amazing yesterday. <laughs> Pouring rain. And I'm like, what kind of fool would get on a bicycle in freezing cold rain and ride up a mountain that's going to continue to get colder for no payoff? I think I'll do it. So I threw on my stretchy gear. I jumped on my bike and I start riding. 5.6 miles into the ride, I realize that this, this is a Christian term. I want you to hold on, buckle up. This is what I said to myself. This is what would go through your mind. I was like, this is hard, right? And I asked myself this question. Have you ever made a commitment? Have you ever been like in the middle of something and it starts raining and it gets tough and you start second guessing the commitment you made and you ask yourself this one simple, really prophetic, profound, biblically based question. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I got cars passing me, like looking at me like, raining. <laughs> can't talk. I acknowledge the pain. I press on. 18 mile climb. 12.67 miles. 12.8 miles. I get to the point where I go, every corner I come around, it's just a steeper hill. Like, oh my God, it's getting colder. 
I did not take into account that I'm going to climb 5,500 feet of elevation, but it's 5,500 feet of elevation. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm like, why do my lungs hurt? My heart rate seems to be exceptionally high for how much work I'm doing right now. And I pass this sign on the side of the road. It says, elevation, 5,000 feet. I went, oh, I see what's going on here. So I started making these kind of mental tricks with myself. Have you ever made a commitment and you're like, this, this commitment really is hard. So God, in the next two minutes, if someone text messages me, it's a sign from you. I pull the plug. I don't have to do this. I don't have to stay committed to this. So I started going, if someone passes me on the descent, I was like, if the crew that I that left an hour before me, if I see them right now on this hill, this part of the hill, if I see them pass me, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to write, it's a sign from you because I am dying right now. Did I see them? No. So I had to pull over on the side of the road. I had to have, I had to have some church with myself. I started thinking to myself, what are you doing? You may be the stupid, and, I, and it was like God spoke to me. Pat, you bound yourself to this mountain when you made a decision last night, and when you pulled up and it was raining, there was something in you that knew that you have to stay pledged to the commitments you made. And now you're 12.8 miles in and out of 18 miles, and you, are, you don't actually have quit built into you. You're, you're planted firmly. You are unmovable. You are unwavering. You are not going to turn around and go back. Did I turn around and go back on you? Did Jesus get tired and start complaining when he was walking the hill with the cross? Did he go, it's a little cold. I don't really know if I like my outfit and I'm kind of hot. I'm not really sure. Maybe I'll try. You know, if I see somebody right now wearing a purple robe, I'm going to turn around and walk back down the hill with the cross. I'm going to take, take it aside. Did that, and I'm like, I'm having church with myself. And then I said some words to myself. You know the words that you could never repeat because they're not Christian words, but they fire you up. I was like, you're not a beep, a beep. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of beeps in there. Can I say, I'm a pastor. Can I say that? I censored myself. It's okay. I was like, boop. You hear the boop. Don't turn your boop around the boop, the stupid boop mountain. And this is what I did. Got a breath. Sometimes in the middle of your commitment, you got to stop and you got to get a breath. You got you to realign yourself with what it was that you were aiming to do in the first place. You need to get some nutrients in your system. You need to pick up the word of God and go, why did I make this commitment again? Oh, that's right. Because it says that if I commit my ways, that there's a promise attached to this. So I had to stop for a second. I had, I had to start getting like, I carry nutrition. I start, taking, I start drinking things and eating things. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's pouring rain still. It's getting colder. Cars are passed. And there's like this idiot on the side of the road. And I'm sitting there like, beating my chest like I'm a warrior, you know? Like, where's the blue paint? I'm going to like, William Wallace. Like, I'm going crazy on the side of the road. I saw a madman going up Palomar Mountain. That was your pastor. Be nice to people climbing the mountain. It was just me. I was having church on the side of the road, going up Palomar Mountain. It's okay. So the problem is you, you, you got mountains in front of you, family. You want the weather to be perfect. You want the payoff to be grand. But you want to live in maybe. We want the church to be everything that it's supposed to be, but you are the church. And if you're not committed, then we don't have the ability to get out of the weeds of maybe and get into the promises that God has for us. See, we got to be unwavering. We got to be firm. We got to say, I don't have any swerve in my game. I don't swerve. I don't even need to clap back at you. Young generation, you know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen from all the young ones? Amen. All the ones like, clap back. Oh, we'll applaud you.
I'm not even near done, James. It's cool. You going to throw down some like TD Jakes, like some Bishop organ on me? You got some B3 organ? Come on. I'm about to preach because I'm going to tell you something. Guys, we want the high reward of what the church offers us, but we're not willing to press through the, the dismal weather. We're not willing to press through the hard times and we let our commitments waver. But you know what's interesting? I start pressing through and I get up to the top and it's the most amazing thing. Pouring rain, freezing cold. I get up to the top, perfect blue skies. I start warming up a little bit. I'm like, oh, whew, feeling a little bit warm. I'm soaking wet. I'm like, I'm starting to warm up a little bit. Then I had to turn around and come back down. Got a flat tire, had to stop. By the time I got to the car, literally, I, 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 was, like, I, I was shaking. My muscles, everything, I was shaking. We're like, oh, okay, that's the end of the story. It's time to quit. No. I took my wet clothes off, put my running shorts on, put my running shoes on. I said, I'm committed. And I took off. And I kept moving. There is a commitment that God is asking you for. And can I tell you something? That there is a consequence when we lack in our commitment to Jesus and His church. In Revelations, it says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Like God is, he, he's, like, he's like pleading with, like he's like, he's talking to the churches. This scripture, he's talking to the churches. He's like, I wish you were one or the other. Churches, who, who my son died for, people. I wish you were either hot or cold. Be in or be out. Be up or be down. I wish you were. He's like, he's like heartbroken. I wish you were one or the other because the very next thing he says, it pains him. He goes, because you're lukewarm. Lukewarm, that's the maybe button. Because you're maybe, because you're, I'll try. I don't really know. Keep my options open because, because that's where it's at. This is what he says. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And we walk around and we're like, I, I, I don't need her anyway. I don't need that job anyway. I don't need that church anyway. I, I, I don't need that relationship. I don't need that. I don't need to climb. I don't need to finish climbing. I don't need, I don't, that's fine. I don't need it. And we, what we do is we, we look at all the things that we're committed to and we start looking at our stuff. Like, I'm good. Look at me. Look at me. I got all the stuff. I don't need that. You say I'm rich. But I look at God sometimes and I say, I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. I don't need you. I don't need to be committed to you. And he looks at me and says, but you don't even realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. It's my commitment to Jesus that embraces the commitment and the covering that he has for me in my life. Am I, this morning, am I committed to Jesus? Am I committed to his church? If you are committing to a healthy relationship with your church, this is what you're committing to. Number one, you're committing to Jesus. Number two, you're committing to his fans. Number three, you're committing to his people, committing to the church, committing to the body. You're making a commitment. To, if you say, I am committed, full send, I'm going. No options. I'm talking climb to the top of the hill, take the brakes off the bike. I'm going. I'm going to get a running start at this, but I'm going to be fully committed. committed this morning to Jesus? Are you committed to his church?
but stand. First Kings 8, 61 says, May your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. You know, it's a command from God that we actually love one another. There's over 60 times in Scripture it talks about one another, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. over 60 times. We can't be committed to Jesus, but not committed to his commands. Can I tell you something? We can't be committed followers of Jesus if we're not committed to his church. If this is your church family, I hope you're committed. My prayer is that you're committed. My prayer is that we don't walk as a church. I don't want to be the church like in Revelations where the people around us, if we disappeared tomorrow, would San Marcos know? We're just another, are we another option? Come on. When we're committed, you know our region should feel it. If we disappeared tomorrow, they'd be like, we're missing something. Let's pray. As I talk about commitment, some of you have commitment issues. You know what? Can I be honest? We all have commitment issues. <laughs> Jesus is the only one who is like, he's faithful. We're faithful and then we blow it. So it's not, commitment is not about perfection. Commitment is, is that when I blow it and I'm imperfect, I will take to crawling to get up the mountain. That when the moment hits that we feel like I cannot pedal one more stroke, if I have to, I will get off and carry my bike to get up to the top of this hill. Are you committed? And so this morning, if you don't have a committed relationship with Jesus, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all, or maybe you, you've said like, yes, I believe in you, Jesus, but you don't have a committed relationship to follow him this morning. Right now is your opportunity. If you want to walk in a committed relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, I would like you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. I, I, I'm going to tell you, if you don't have your eyes open, because I asked you to close them, I have my hand up because I want to be more committed. I want a deeper committed relationship with Jesus. So God, I ask for an outpouring of your strength and your power into every single person who's acknowledging this morning, whether you have your hand up or not, believe it or not, who's saying, I want a committed relationship with Jesus Christ. I ask, that, I ask that you would strengthen and empower, that you would start preaching directly to their hearts, that you would give us the ability to begin preaching to ourselves in the middle of our mountains. You would give us the ability to start preaching to ourselves when it starts raining. You, we can start preaching to our, that we start declaring what it says in scripture over our lives. And we would hold fast, that we would be unwavering, that we would stand firm in our commitments, that the people around us would look at us and say, there's something different about this person. You know, when things get tough, they double down. They invest in things that are tough. That's very strange because the rest of the people around me, they're pulling the plug and they're walking away. They're quick to divorce the situation and this person's diving into the middle of it. Ain't that Jesus? Come on, baby. That, isn't that Jesus? He looked right in the middle of our mess and he goes, I'm doubling down. I'm jumping right in the middle of the mess. He jumped right into the mess. He full commit. No options necessary. I'm jumping straight into the middle of your mess. That's what he did in my life. That's what he's doing in yours. That is the freedom that we're looking for. We will not find the freedom in the options. So Lord, I pray right now that we would have a singular mind that we would not be distracted by the options that the world wants to bring around us. We wouldn't be distracted by, by voices, by the they, the they, you know, they, they say. What do you say, God? Come on, if you need prayer this morning, I'm going to invite you to come down. You're struggling. You're struggling with trust. This is what we're praying for this morning. You're struggling with trust.
I get it. Because you got some people in your life that broke that trust. Welcome to life. Welcome to life. But let's deal with it. I want you to come down. I want you to get prayer. Because God can heal and restore those things. Why? Because he's committed to you. You're dealing with things physically. You have ailments. Come on. Why? Because he's committed. You're having a hard time emotionally with something? Come on. Why? Because he's committed. So don't leave this place without getting prayer. For the rest of us, I want you to go with a strength, with a tenacity, like with, with, with an aggressive, I actually want you to have an aggressive nature against complacency and this idea of being non-committal because you got to have options. I want you, I want you to aggressively pursue like singular commitment. I want you to go after the things that God has put in front of you. I want you to go after it like almost like a savage. I'm willing to eat my way through whatever barrier the enemy wants to put, like that's the level of like fight that we've been given. It is not time to back up, to give up, to get off the horse. It's time to, if you had to dismount, dismount the horse, kick it, and start walking yourself. Now, don't kick the horse. Are you with me? I could preach all day long on this. Because we need it. We're dying of this. So don't leave here without prayer. The rest of you, thank you for those of you who are committed. Thank you for stepping in. Thank you for getting off the maybe wall. Thank you for being committed to Jesus in this church. We're going to see mighty moves of God because of the commitment. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen.